to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, good people. I hope you're doing well this Sunday, and I hope your Easter was wonderful. I know it was unique. I mean, who would have ever expected that we were going to spend our Easter. Usually it's a time of gathering with family and friends and at church and it's so festive and here we were having to stay in our homes. You know, my kids, my kids have restricted us. Yep, I used to restrict them. Now they're restricting us. It's like, Dad, Mom, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay in the house. You're not going to get exposed to anybody. You're going to stay safe and healthy. So we've been good little parents. I guess payback's kind of rough because we used to do the same thing to them, right? So now Karen and I are on restriction. But I hope this thing is over soon. And uh, I want you to know that we've been praying for many of you that we know you're going through some tough times. We've had people in our church who have lost loved ones during this process, not necessarily due to the virus, but due to other issues. And uh, it's been a really tough time for many people, and it continues to be. And so we want to pray and lift one another up and, and stand in the gap for one another through all of this. This isn't going to last forever. And there will be a day coming when we'll have a reunion, we'll be together, and we'll be able to celebrate as never before. But until then, while we're on restriction... We are going to do the best we can. And so we're going to be over in 1 Peter, like I said. And I want to read a passage of Scripture that Megan, she read. Uh, she preached the sermon, the last sermon in the First Peter series, which I call Hope and Holiness, because this is a book of hope as well as a guide somewhat to holiness, and that is to follow God and to live the way He's called us to. And even why do that? I mean, it's, it's in this book. And so she read this passage, and I thought it was very encouraging. And also, it's kind of a setup for the next part of 1 Peter 2. And she read in 9 and 10, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now... You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And we have in Jesus Christ. And Peter wants these churches up in the northern part of the area. He wants them to know that they are a chosen people, a special people. They're under duress. They're under pressure from the community, pressure from the culture that they're in. Uh, And so there's a lot going on for them. And we know that probably Peter had never met uh, particularly those folks up there. And so he's writing this letter to encourage them, to come alongside of them, to let them know how to hang in there. Now, our next two verses that we're going to look at today, verses 11 and 12 in 1 Peter 2, also set up what comes after this. And some people think it's a little controversial what comes after this when Peter talks about slaves, wives, husbands. But if you read, and if we read and take into consideration that passage that Megan read, and also these two verses that we're going to read today, it sets it up for a proper lens for us to understand what is to come. 
Remember, there were no verses, numbers of verses in the original manuscripts. These were letters that were written. And so you have this continuing thought and you have this continuing intent of the letter that we have to get a hold of and we have to capture it in order to understand it well. And so here we go. I'm going to read these scriptures and then I'm going to pray and I'll point out three things as you easily do. Okay, here we go. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, that, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Lord, bless the reading of your word. I pray all over as people drop in, begin to check this out. I pray your presence right there. Lord, those who love you, those who care for you, those who, Lord, are part of your church and those who may be just interested in dropping by, maybe they're like something has quickened them, Lord, to look into this. Just what is it about Jesus? What is it about this time of the year that grabs so many people and so many of us respond to it? Lord, I pray for them too. I pray you help me in my weakness. God, help me. And Lord, give me the gift of teaching through the midst of my uh, weaknesses and the hearing of my house, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, help me be able to bring your word in such a way, God, that it encourages those who are listening and watching today. Most of all, Lord, I pray that you, you would be the hero of every story, Lord. You would be the center of every conversation and that you would come to people today with encouragement, love, forgiveness, and mercy and hope, Lord, that life can be different than what it is. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here we go. Peter's writing to these folks he may have never met. They're under a lot of duress. And I want to point out three things here, um, three reasons I believe that Paul gave these instructions and what is to follow. And your first fill-in, if you got your fill-in, and you can get it on the Bible app, uh, the Version Bible app for us, and you can also get it on the Church Center app, and, uh, and you can follow along. The first reason he says this to him, dear to this church, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles... You know, this description, I believe that it's, it's, it's not that the earth is not our home. It's that the cultural pressures and the things that are not of God, the things that do not draw attention to a holy, wonderful, just, beautiful, pure, and loving Savior, those things in the world that we know are here, that we are not a part of that culture. We are not of those people, really. We aren't, and there's a rub there. We are like exiles. We're foreigners in the culture that we have around us. And it is always pulling on us. It's always trying to get us to come along a certain way. And so Peter's reminding them that, look, you belong to the kingdom of God. You belong to a group of people who are here salt. I believe this follows Jesus teaching salt and light. Good. You're here for the goodness of the earth. And one day this earth will be home for all of us that know Jesus. And he comes back and put everything to rights. But right now in the culture that this church was in, much like the cultures we are in, things 
they're just not as they should be. You know, we see goodness and we see light at times, but we're in the midst of a situation and a culture that doesn't honor God and doesn't really have a hunger for him in in many ways. And so that was true here. And so Paul, uh, Peter is saying, you know, you guys, there's, there's going to be, you're not going to feel at home. You know, you're not going to feel at home in that culture that you're in right now. So don't think it's so strange that you feel like an alien, that you feel like a foreigner, that, you know, that you're being treated differently because uh, you are, you are, you're a different group. And so he encourages them with that first. And so there's the pressure in that, right? And then he says, and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Well, here's this is like the first enemy, and uh, this fits right in to uh, the first fill in, and that is why Peter wrote this for their safety. For safety, I just wrote on my notes for safety because he cared about them. He won't. He wanted them to be safe. And one of the first battles, the first enemies that they have is, of course, that war inside of ourselves that's written off through so many passages of Scripture. Paul just expounds on this so much as well. And he's like, there is a war that's going on inside of you already. And that is there's a waging of a battle against your own soul. Now, when he said sinful desires, the desires, see, Desire in them in itself is not bad. God gives us wonderful desires. I mean, usually our desires are, you know, when they're in the right place and they're expressed in the right and healthy way, they're good, right? But when they get control of us and our desires begin to push us, control us, uh, take us places we we should never have gone, then that's a war that we're losing. And and so, you know, he's saying, I know you have this battle. And for your safety, for your safety, for the safety of your spiritual life, you know, to abstain, don't, as the culture presses in on you and tries to pull you that way, abstain from it, pull back from it, fight it. There is a war to be waged against unhealthy and I'd say aberrant or let's say uh, extreme desires. Those desires that overtake us. Many times a sexual thing is mentioned in here as well because sex is a beautiful gift given to a man and a woman in marriage to express their love for each other. And, and But that sexual desire, if it gets pulled into this culture, we know that everything is sexualized. And so that's a part of it. Other things are gossiping, uh, you know, uh, uh, your language, uh, your anger. You know, it's good to be angry at some things, but to sin not. But when anger takes us and it grabs us and it makes us murderous in a way, then that's sinful desires. And so he's not, he's not saying don't have any desires. He's saying, you know what? Abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul for your safety, for your safety. Abstain from them. And he says, live such good lives among the pagans. Now, here goes another, here goes another reason, another safety part. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See, these these folks, this is assumed in the way this is written. You can see that they are, have already been prejudiced against. Uh, 
you know, the early Christians didn't understand, like, they didn't understand communion. When they, when they heard words like, you know, the body and the blood of Jesus, you drink the blood, you eat the body. Remember, the disciples said, oh, this is a hard teaching, <laughs> even when they heard it. And so, um, you know, when the church gathered and they heard about the love feast and they heard about this communion and when we celebrate the price that Jesus paid, that that's food to our body and that's drink to our thirsty souls, they misunderstood it because they didn't have a context for it. And so a lot, you know, a lot of accusations that those people over there in that new sect, you know, they're, they're cannibals, uh, you know, because you don't believe in a, here's another one, because you don't believe in a multiplicity of gods, but you believe in one, in three, one God, you know, you know, three parts, Trinity, but one God, because you believe in one God, and you don't believe in multiple gods, you're atheists. That's right. Early Christians were called atheists early on because they did, because they believed in one God. And, uh, you know, there were other situations, their prayers, uh, how they celebrated that just was totally misunderstood. And, and um, you know, the area, the culture began to, some of them were beat. Some of the things I read about during that period of time, they were totally misunderstood and um, they were ostracized and they were paying a price for it. And so Peter comes along and he says, look, I know you're going through this. First of all, for your own safety, abstain from anything, any sexual desire that pulls you away from God, that zaps your spirituality, that zaps your spiritual strength because you need it where you are. We need it where we are, right? So abstain and also look, let your behavior, let your good deeds speak to this group of people who don't understand you. They've got some misconceptions about who you are, but your good deeds, they won't misunderstand. If they see your life lived in such a way that they can look at you and go, wow, look at look how these Christians love. Look how these Christians give. I wonder what's about. That will help hopefully keep you safer. And so it's about safety of the soul and it's about safety uh, within the community as well. Uh, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. Live such good lives. You know, I know we all mess up. I mean, that's a common, you know, that's a common theme in our lives and it's a common theme that we hear in church all the time and God does forgive and restore, but we should be moving forward in this. You know, we want people to be able to look, not at our greatness, but to look and see the heart of God in the good things that we do around us. Now, the good things don't save us. You know, they don't save us. They're an expression of what did save us though, right? They don't save us, but they're an expression of who saved us. And that is God. He's a good God. Jesus is a good Savior. He's our Messiah, our Lord. And so for their safety's sake, Peter says, wage war against that part of you that wants to be pulled into aberrant sin and to sinful desires, desires that are blown out of proportion. And also, don't let them accuse you of anything that you're not guilty of. And one of these is be do good deeds. You know, be good people in the community there where you are, as hard as it is, so that they will look at you and they'll go, what is going on? You live, you're living in a hostile territory. And so 
live a good life so that when they look at you, they'll go, you know, there's something good about those people. And so it's for safety that Peter spoke these words and why he wrote this letter to them. And your second fill-in is, of course, it's for a witness, for a witness. And that is a witness to Jesus, a witness to God and His goodness. Live such good lives among what? The pagans. Now, don't live such good lives among a little cloister of people who take off into the woods and they live there in a commune by themselves and they're never around anybody. No, these folks were living in the middle of culture just like we are. And so Peter says, like, be a light. Live such good lives among the pagans. Among the pagans. Don't withdraw. Live life among them so that they can see who you are, so they can see Jesus, they can see Christ, they can see the difference He makes. So it's for safety, it's for a witness. I mean, you know, it's true that people do get a look, even as weak as we are, people do get a little bit of a look at who Jesus is and who God is when they look at you and me. And me, we're... I heard, I'm reading a book right now that, that I... I probably shouldn't say this because this is going to stir up some questions, but it's good that said that we are the idols of God, and that is we represent, you know, we're there for God. Our idol in the Old Testament represented the God. And so we are like those out in this culture. So when people come up to see us, they will see, you know, a representation of the wonderful Lord, a representation of the Jesus who saved us and who cares for us. And so it's for that witness, you know. And honestly, when we do good, when we do good things like right now, there's so many of you giving to your neighbors. I have heard so many stories of, of taking food over to people and to neighbors and, and leaving it for them. And, and, and I've heard so many stories of their sick folks and, and they can't cook. And so you've been taking food over. Uh, Christy and her team, you know, with All Nations and, and here at the church as well, you've been feeding a, a large group of Ecuadorians who got stuck here because of the vi- virus. And so uh, I think it's 15 other churches we've all joined together to take care of them and You're doing those good things. And the more we do of those things, the more people get to see that our God is a benevolent God, that he's a kind, generous God, because we're responding to the goodness that we have found and we have discovered in Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, look, you're in a hard situation. The people are looking down on you. They you know, you may be suffering some persecution, but let your good deeds shine. Because if you do good to the people who really don't really treat you that well, I mean, Jesus had something to say about that, didn't he? He did. You know, if we do that, they will eventually, and I think Peter's prayer was that they will eventually go, there's something about these folks. What is it? Look, you know, they, I mean, you know the stories. You know, there's so many stories of how people under tremendous persecution and duress serve their captors and serve the people in such a way that it spoke to a higher love than the people in that particular culture had ever experienced. And Peter is saying, look, do that. You know, do that as a witness 
to them. Do that so that they can see the goodness of God. Let me read this scripture again. Live such good lives among the pagans. Where? Among the pagans. I think, I'm going to get on a soapbox. I think one of the worst things that was ever told to me early on in my Christian life was that I needed to pull away from everything and everybody that I was used to hanging out with. I mean, the people that told me that, they meant well because it went along with this abstaining from sinful desires because they figured that group struggled with that. And so why are you hanging out with them? Tim, you know, you're not, a, you're not that anymore. You need to come away. But if I could have lived, and I did, I did try to go back and do that, um, try to live a good life. Where? Among the pagans. We live our good lives among those who do not know Jesus Jesus yet as a witness, you know, as a picture, as a house, as a city on a hill, as light, as salt out there so people can see the goodness and the kindness of God. And Peter says, do that. I mean, that's for your safety too, right? And that says a witness to God so they can ask, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? If you read a history of the pandemics that have swept through this world, you will find the Christians on the front, right in the front of it all, taking care of the sick, being there for people. Let your good deeds shine. Put them out there. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they might see your good deeds. So good lives, good deeds. Good lives, good deeds, and glorify God on the day He visits us. And this is your last filling. We had first fill-in for safety, for their safety. Secondly, for the witness of Christ to their culture. And thirdly, for God. For God. This is for Him. This is for God. This is for our loving Savior. Listen to this. May see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. In other words, the day that He comes back, the goodness that was in you, the good deeds that you did that maybe people didn't recognize, on that day, everybody's going to recognize it. When the Savior returns, when that day of judgment arrives, everyone even those that were oppressing this church up in this area, they're going to see. They're going to look over at those who lived those lives and they're going to go, oh man, I knew it. I knew there was something about them and they will fall on their faces and worship God. This is for God as well. Whatever we do in this world, wherever we are, we are called to do it for Him. So for safety's sake, for witness, and for God. I hope this has encouraged you today. We're going to move into the what some call a controversial section next week, so you can look into that, read it, and get prepared. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the people that are on here with us. And Lord, I pray right now for anybody who feels like they just haven't taken that next step. I pray that they would. They would say yes to you. They take that simple step across the line from darkness into light. And Lord, be yours to say yes. Lord, move on their hearts right now. 
And Lord, for those who may be a little weary in this situation, but they're trying to do their best, I pray for an extra measure, Lord, of compulsion to do good. And Lord, those who are in a waging a battle, a battle against evil desires, I pray, Holy Spirit, come and release, free, win the battle for them in that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer to begin your walk with Jesus Christ today, if you said yes, stepped across the line, you surrendered, here's how you can let me know. You can text COMMIT, C-O-M-M-I-T, to 474747. That's COMMIT to 474747. Please let us know you prayed that prayer. You need to let somebody know. That way we can continue to pray with you and stand with you. God bless you guys. I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts. Thank you.